I don't know. Do you understand why it's so important that the guy was dead before she cut his penis? Let's start. Let's get down to business. So our last episode was a bit of a big one, one I wanted to do for a long time and one for which I read a lot of papers, like a documented and researched episode, can you imagine, uh, about Japanese and psychoanalysis, the Japanese language and psychoanalysis, which is probably like as knowledgeable as we're ever going to get about a topic. Really? <laughs> Would you say that? I think we did an episode on like machine learning. Oh. I think we were quite well versed on like how that I, I read no? all the papers I could find on this topic, but not on To be sure we worked less on like the machine learning episode than on for the psychoanalysis episode. Maybe what I mean to say is it's the most us episode. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> really? I think that's the most the, the one where we can contribute the most that other people couldn't. Maybe. Mm, okay, makes sense. It speaks to our strength. This, this. Well, well, the thing is, like, there's literally like 20 articles on the subject, and you've read them all. So <laughs> yeah. you might be like the only guy on earth that read all the paper. Except well, except the, the people guys who that wrote, wrote them. The yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like, there's maybe like five people on earth that are as well researched on this exact topic, which I guess makes you an expert. Which is rare <laughs> for any subject that we're tackling on this podcast. Maybe that's why we didn't get that many followers because uh, because it was perfect. Because we were like, yeah, we are we're the cutting edge of knowledge. I mean, we were talking about uh, debates of like the last year, like co contemporary <laughs> debates in in philosophy and psychoanalysis. So that's pretty. <laughs> I'm I'm impressing myself. <laughs> It's a bit sad that we didn't have any feedback from those. We should have sent them the podcast. Well, I tagged them on Twitter, but uh, I guess okay. that's... I mean, it's a bit hard to go to professional and say like, hey, we are amateurs and we did this without you. <laughs> you know, we don't have much legitimacy except the one we give ourselves by our research. I mean, isn't that what being a researcher is? No, they have master's degrees and PhDs. Neither of us has a PhD, so... Well, we have master degrees. Yeah, but not in that domain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Like, some people are... I don't know. I'm not sure it's... I don't know. I'm not sure you know less than them on those subjects. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, I guess I know more about, like, global psychoanalysis than you. To yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's, uh, there's still a lot of stuff that I don't know about the articles there, like, but but what I mean what I mean is like even if we're amateurs like what's interesting about us talking about all the subjects not only like psychoanalysis is like we bring all the other stuff in meaning okay we talk about psychoanalysis but we also talked about philosophy we also talk about like a lot of shit around psychoanalysis that other psychoanalysts wouldn't talked about yeah. which might be interesting for them even I mean, for experts they probably never heard such a take on their papers. Okay, so I hope you're in the. You didn't forget anything about all our research because I have follow-ups questions from listeners and more, from, also from myself stuff that I realized during editing that I forgot to ask or stuff like that. Okay, let's go. First of all, a big one, maybe. 
we only very briefly mentioned the concept of la langue, the Lacanian concept of la langue. <laughs> uh, and we mentioned it saying that so there was one of the papers analyzing the hypothesis that Japanese might be all la langue. And uh, at the beginning of the episode in particular, we like I was struggling a little bit between, to, to understand the psychoanalysis view landscape of the words and their concept and what they represent and the, the, the absolute truth or whatever. I feel like la langue is a very big part of this, mm -hmm. maybe. But like, can you just explain to me what is la langue and how does it... I think it's very straightforward, no? Let's talk about like la langue and maybe language so mm -hmm. we can make the difference. Uh, so in French, langue is language and la langue is the language, but like in one, like yeah. pushed together just for the listeners. It's kind of great to do this in English because it's uh, like that way it stands out more because if you talk about it in French, it's a bit hellish. <laughs> well, you I think you can say la 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 long, but but whatever. So I think it's pretty like maybe one of the easiest, not easiest, but like well-defined concept of Lacan. Meaning the language is the language that we speak. So the mm -hmm. language of the dictionary, of the grammar, and stuff like that. And la long la long is the language. When you say the unconscious is structured as a language. La langue is what the unconscious is made of, meaning is a language, but with all the signifier and all the significant, significant, significant. It's a language, but with all the signifier and signif. Oh, sig sig. Is the language the? I thought the language the signifiers were the oral language, right? And so the other one is the signified. Signified. Right? Thanks. Wow. Okay, so it's the language. It's a language with all the signified. Basically, table. It's like a table. Like you have the grammar around like the word table. La long would be table, but with all like I don't know, like the memory, all the symbolic, all the all the thing. A concept. Like it would be a concept, right? It wouldn't be. A... It would be the concept of for, for this one individual. So like reinforced by like the story, reinforced by all yeah, the other words. It's not like a word we can say. It's a word in thought. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yes. Okay. Mm, yeah. Kinda. <laughs> Kinda. I'm, I'm not sure I, I made my point very clear. The language is just the language as you know it. And la langue is just what he refers to when he talked about the unconscious, which is just language reinforced with what it means for you. Well, la langue is the, the language, the structure of inside your brain, basically. And language is what's happened outside your brain. <laughs> exactly. What I really like about Lacanian stuff is that it works very well with how the mind is structured. Without the Meaning what? like how the mind is, like how like brain works. Obviously, you don't have like this one little neuron that does well, there's this paper about like having the Simpsons neurons and blah, blah, blah. Sure, like whatever. But like it's linked even like the Simpsons neurons, like that fires when you see the Simpsons is linked with all the other like animation stuff and like all your sentiment as amygdala is linked to it. Like everything is linked. And that's how I like to think about like the Lacanian unconscious. It's just like, yeah, obviously you have word in your brain, but like it's always linked with like all the other part of your brain because your brain is a big mess. Do you think uh, a thing that comes to uh, like a, a bit of a tangent or the question I often have asked myself when I think about psychoanalysis is do you think that any kind of 
conscious mind, sentient mind, let's imagine an AI or alien species, would give rise to a psychoanalysis or this psychoanalysis necessarily? Or I guess it's more of a gut feeling than an actual. <laughs> What do you mean by that? Like if someone, I mean, like if yeah. someone had language, like I think like Lacan would say yes. Like if you have language, like you create an unconscious that that is quite similar to anything else. But like, as you can see with Japanese people, like there's difference between languages. I think you could say that if there's language, so if you can see something and name it, then there's unconscious somewhere. Unconscious in the in the sense of like Lacanian unconscious. And if there's unconscious, you can have psychoanalysis. It's a shame because I just started reading a book about uh, about this. So maybe we should have talked about it in like five months when I'm done with it. <laughs> But yeah, because if you have a language, that means you have like an abstract concept for things. And then there is necessarily a gap between the, th the real thing and the abstract thing. It's, it's not only a gap. It's also, uh, it's also like, I'm not sure I like the word reinforced, but like it's also linked to other stuff. It means like you, you don't have, what's different is like the word table is just the word table. It doesn't just nothing else, but like in your mind, in any mind, obviously, it can't work like that. Like, it's obviously linked with, like, all the other grammar rule, all the other, like, how you feel about that word. You can say, like, oh, I like this word, which makes no fucking sense. But, like, it's because it's linked with all of the other stuff. And I think if you have language, you can't have just a language. And that's the point that Rally, one of our listeners, made for our GPT-3 uh, episode, where she was like, oh, obviously, it's not conscious. Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, guys? And I think it's because well she was talking about conscious and we're talking about in consciousness but like it might be because mm -hmm. this point didn't make sense to me uh, when uh, when we talked about that comment of Friday but now it kind of makes sense meaning because there's no gap like this gap because there's no gap between uh, the reality of the glass and the world glass for the AI because it doesn't have access to the actual thing not to the actual thing but it doesn't have access to any input except the world Maybe then he's not like he has no inconscience. Maybe then like there's no la long and there's no. Yes. Well. <laughs> okay. There's no la long, or it's all la long. No, it's more like there's no long. In any case, here uh, the the AI only has one. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because it doesn't. And I think you called indeed it doesn't have this gap between a real uh, between two realities, right? The conceptual and the actual, and it has no uh, grasp on the actual reality. It has only the conceptual. I think it's a great uh, point to make that the ro the robot doesn't actually have access to two realities in that way. But I don't know why with unconscious it made more sense to me because what my defense was against Rally's argument was that you you could put a camera on like a GPT-3 things and like he can have visual input and he could have then like access to any input that is other than just like word. Uh, but that's still representations though. But we all also have only representation as human being. We don't have access to that's thing. And we have an awareness that there is something that is represented. So that, so, so because we know that there's something that is la chose, like meaning that is the thing in itself, that is the thing without meaning, then what? 
that then you can have then a we know that representations are just representations okay, okay. we know that the representation stands for something else which is something the ai doesn't know so that's exactly how heidegger defined what being a human is is having access to the thing in itself for like even a second Do you ever feel like time is slowing down and others aren't looking? You should try our sponsor. Relativity. I want to talk about something else now that we got La Langue out of the way. <laughs> Kinda. To remember a bit what we talked about, we mentioned how every Japanese symbol has different meanings overlapped and different pronunciations overlapped and made the parallel with identity also that everyone is necessarily plural and essentially it's an extreme pluralism right the things are several things at once mm -hmm. uh, i wanted to ask you if you had any I don't know. <laughs> Any reaction to the concept, to, to the question of, is it the same as dreams? Because I've had dreams where when I write them down, things can be other things too. Like this guy is this guy, but is also my boyfriend or whatever. I, I feel like dreams have sometimes these pluralities of meaning superimposed. And since dreams are known to be close to the unconscious... Is there something there? So you would say that dream, like the language of the dream? Are closer to, so the language of dreams is supposedly close to the language of the unconscious, more or less, we'd assume, right? And I'm saying that the Japanese language is closer Japanese to the language of dreams yeah. than English? Uh, interesting. Maybe it's closer to... <laughs> I, I think the biggest difference between the two is that is that when there's superimposition of meaning in your dream, it's superimposition of la langue meaning, meaning it's your representation that is working, meaning you have, like, I don't know, you see this guy that is the cashier of your, like, of your, of your shop downstairs, but also your boyfriend that, like, whatever, so the superimposition of your meaning on this figure. And you think those are two different la langue worlds, in a way, or...? Meaning, yeah, it's two different representations in your mind that is collapsing into one. But if they are collapsing, doesn't that mean they were like sufficiently close or even one? Like my my assumption, well, my hidden so assumption was that it was a single signified that had different signifiers, like oh, the this person Ooh, and this other person okay. or something like that, like the same la langue thing that is accessed in two different representations i think like well first of all do you ever have this thing in your dreams or is it just me because he's maybe it's just no me? no it's like there's a very well-known uh freudian dream that is literally that it's, it's about a girl i can't remember but like okay it's a it's a well-known dream effect let's let's say i think like the thing is, like, it can go both ways, meaning you could say that, like, there's only one signified and, like, two signifiers collapsing, or there's two signified with one signifier collapsing. It can be one representation of, I don't know, like, well, it can't really be said, but, like, it can be, let's say... Uh, concept alpha. <laughs> concept alpha, concept alpha, and then 
you push it into this this figure, which is a collapse of like boyfriend and cashier, or it can be concept alpha and concept beta pushed into your boyfriend. <laughs> Yeah, but then it can be it cannot be both way. Well, because concept alpha would be your boyfriend and concept beta would be the cashier, and if they merge, is some figure that is neither one of them is someone who's neither your boyfriend nor the cashier. <laughs> like what? Like the thing with interpretation of dreams in psychoanalysis, like it comes from you. So like you talked about it, and then you see what happens. So you would say, oh, I was going downstairs buying stuff. And then, like, the cashier didn't want to take my money. And actually, kind of looked like my boyfriend this time, which was weird. And then you would go from there. And maybe him being the cashier is just a vessel for him not allowing you to to give your money. And it's just a vessel, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for, the, for the thought to be, to be acceptable for your mind. S that would be one way possible out of it. Which like then is a bit removed from from what is concept, what is not concept. Yeah, so I guess these are kind of like different. Like we, we don't know exactly how a dream works, right? <laughs> no, clearly, clearly, not, clearly not. But but, but to, to 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 go back, I think to go back to like just the start of what you were saying, comparing like Japanese language and like dream language. I think even even if we can't really answer that question, because. I don't know if it's just because I don't know or if it's because it's hard to answer or if it's not just answerable. But just to go back to that, I think there's a clear difference though, which is in Japanese, like the link between represent like the link between word is made for everyone. It's the same for everyone. Like a table is also uh, whatever, it's also uh, whatever and whatever. For everyone, it's like that, so it's not part of la langue. And everyone has the, uh, if it's ambiguous, everyone shares Exactly, so it's not part of what you are. Yeah. It's not part of la langue at all. Uh, with dreams, it's part of la langue, which is kind of a maybe big it's structurally similar, but uh, yes, that's yes. where it stops. I see. <laughs> uh, let me look at my other notes again. I don't really know what I'm talking about. Huh? <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. That makes sense to me. That's uh, good enough for me. Passes, uh, passes the test. Uh, related, but not too much, <laughs> about the plurality of identity. Yes, I uh, in, in Japanese. I uh, recently listened to a podcast that had nothing to do with that, uh, but that made me realize that uh, Japan, this Japanese culture, civilization, whatever, is also uh, notable for its adoption of avatars, more like, like, let's say, early adoption of avatars and uh, you can see that in the VTuber phenomenon that they started. So. Uh, this was about what was it about again? I don't know. The podcast was talking about how Japanese are more comfortable using avatars than Westerners, supposedly, uh, which so is a claim I'm not completely sure. Uh, fictional persona, really, and uh, like 2D representation, let's say. Okay. Which I think they were grossly exaggerating because you can, I, I think there is people who are very fine with that everywhere and people who probably are more attached to like their actual 3D persona everywhere. But they have they know, do like, have do, a point do. in the fact that Japanese did start emoji VTubers and stuff like that. So maybe there is something, a little something here that reinforces this plurality of, of identity that we were talking about. I mean, 
I would go with them, meaning like I don't see any avatar in Western culture except in video games. But like no one uses avatars on like Facebook or on like social media. Well, the geeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure, but like it's a minority, no? That's that's the thing. I don't think everyone in Japan. <laughs> I don't think everyone in Japan goes around with anime picture online. So, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. It, it is true also that Japanese uh, in Japan there is this like it has a different approach to image. Like manga style representation are used a lot in advertising, and everyone's familiar with that, and it's done a lot less here. Uh, but I don't know how much you can take from that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like, because you could also say, like, what, what, what's her name again? Atsune Miku. Atsune Miku would not really be possible in any other country. And yeah. I think it goes with being an avatar. And, like, she was super well known by the mass, no? It was not, like, a nerd thing. I don't know. That's that's the thing that is very hard to say. <laughs> I mean, there was a pi Domino Pizza ad with Atsune Miku. <laughs> yes, I mean, like it must mean she she might like she's she's more mainstream than. I mean, my my whole point is like I I agree with this intuition, but I'm not completely sure. Yeah. It's, it's very hard to yeah. measure for sure. So so and that would be because. Of what we were saying, meaning like they're more likely to have different persona when they talk to people, like in different situations. Yeah, and since you, since you're like, if you have a, let's say, an identity that is by essence plural, you don't mind giving up on your face to take another one, maybe. Whereas if you have a unitary identity, you might be more tied to your, to a unique appearance, maybe. I don't know. I thought it was a cute point. <laughs> Yeah, that was a cute, a cute comment. I'm not sure I have anything else. No, but as as we are in language, more or less, I have a good point from uh, Eyaris, who said very well. I hear it's very interesting what you say, but there is a dimension you're completely ignoring. Ooh. Is uh, what form of language? Because the written word and the spoken word are different, but also uh, conversations and poetry can be very different. French poetry and English poetry are completely different. So. I don't know. I didn't know what to answer him. So, <laughs> how is that important? Well, it is true that we didn't talk about like we didn't specify what we were talking about. I think we would say that we were mostly talking about converse conversational language, mm -hmm. maybe because that structures thoughts. But uh, you can think of literature and poetry and this kind of norms as somehow normative, like an example. So by their cultural status, they are telling something about the culture they come from, presumably. Mm -hmm. But I don't, may maybe I don't understand the, the, the comment slash the question because I don't, I don't feel there's any difference between, well, there's a difference meaning like, yeah, one is written, you have more like time to read, to write and blah, blah, blah. And like one is spoken and like, it's maybe more of a representation of your thought. But but it's the same process, no? Like you use word and like that doesn't really translate on that can't translate what you have in your I mind. Know, I don't know. In poetry, you have a lot of different constraints, uh, different rules. It must rhyme, which does not uh, like you don't you don't uh, you don't you're not in the same mindset. I think in a type of poetry first, like not in old poetry, but yeah, it, yeah. Uh, even then, even then, like even if you're very structured 
rule. Like, isn't it the same as like grammar rule? I would make a link with grammar, meaning in grammar you have a lot of rules that you don't think about. And I think at one point, like poets don't really think about the rule, it's just like rule that they put themselves in. And, and yeah, obviously it does something to language and like how you would talk about like anything. But it's not... Yeah, I think you can say that, uh, like, let's say f French poetry is a language of its own, to, to, sum <laughs> to, to be very schematic, and it has ties to French, French, but, like, and same goes with Japanese. And so we were talking about conversational. It might still apply a little bit to artistic writing in some form, but we don't know. <laughs> but what's interesting is like in, in psychoanalysis, like they would talk about psychoanalytical language, like the difference between when you talk and when you talk on, when you're lying down on the, on the divan, which is two different types of talk. And that has been like, there's like lots of theory about it. And for them, like it's two different ways to talk because you're making a free association that you wouldn't make if you were just talking because you have different roles. And uh, that, that, that reminds me that in the early 20th century, uh, I think there was a movement of literary authors that were really big into free association, which is a bit closer, to, maybe a bit closer to psychoanalysis analysis and maybe a bit closer to Japan no, I don't know closer to Japanese that way I do feel like Japanese is a little bit, little bit closer than uh, uh, to, to free association because really you it's a very uh, how, to, how to say the, the grammar rules are a lot looser so it doesn't it has less pre-processing constraints so you often start a phrase a sentence without knowing where it ends or this kind of stuff maybe in structure it's true but that's interesting because like so, so when you talk when we talk about psychoanalytical language the difference is you remove like just true rule basically like you make free association as you go uh, say everything that is going through your mind and it doesn't need to make sense removing any rules of language okay are you removing the big other <laughs> uh, because when you're starting to say you're removing every rule of language I, I feel this primal fear inside of me <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. you you should you should try it maybe in maybe. writing form if you if you're afraid to go no but that's that's funny it's just like I had this point that the uh, last time we didn't really talk too much about the big other. I know that. So I uh, speaking of the big other, I know that there was a paper that mentioned the big other and emperor. Like uh, last time we did say that there was kind of no big other in Japanese because nobody says a frank no, let's say. Mm -hmm. And that was disputed in a paper that says that there is actually a big other because the emperor stands as the super great big other. Oh. When reading the paper of Kazushige Shingu, he talks about the emperor. We didn't talk yet about the emperor. Yeah. How the emperor of Japan, he's holy father figure and so basically the emperor can absorb everything that is too, that, that doesn't go well with the father i guess he acts as a mega father <laughs> super mega father Ooh, mega father activated so in a way remember when we said there is no law 
<laughs> well, there is a law. It is the emperor. There is the absolute law of the emperor. There is one absolute uniqueness. It's the emperor. And so apparently this so solid social referent means that there is no anxiety of aphanasis. Because it's not just like a father. The, the father is never fallible. Never goes out to buy cigarettes. Like the super father. Like an actual being. That's interesting. I think, but then it kind of go against our first point. Yes. Which was, uh, there's no law. There's no actual law with a bigger L. Because like the emperor would would be the law with a bigger L. As a foreigner, I have a hard time imagining that the emperor is so ingrained in people's psyche. <laughs> right? I, st I still tend towards there is no law. Especially nowadays, because I don't think the emperor has the status that it had before. Really? I think it's kind of like the Queen of England. So that leads Osagawara to conclude that in Japanese society, the only thing you can do to exist is you're, you're stuck between this huge father figure that is basically the goes with nationalistic paranoia. Uh, so you can either be nationalistic paranoid or sexual pervert. And you have to be in one of those two classes for him, <laughs> which are so much... So the sexual perversions are forms of acting out to escape the suffocating effect of the predominance of the ex the master si signifier, which is, I guess, the, the emperor. emperor in that case. So either you're a Nazi or either you're a sexual pervert. Yeah. And so I think he concludes by, oh, we can help people who can't fall ne neatly into these roles by helping them uh, <laughs> find their place in Japan. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> something like I mean uh, that's inter like I mean like Japanese sex culture is there's something there to explore I think but uh, it's a bit weird to say the solution is to pick between being a pervert or being and let's a see. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah that's why I guess Van Hecke wanted to to write a rebuttal so this is the same uh, the same paper that said the thing about Finnegan's Wake and stuff that we talked about at the beginning yep as the conclusion, saying like you're either a pervert or Nazi. And that's how you're better in life. And, and if you're neither, <laughs> we can help you fit in. <laughs> in the same paper, so it was more about Freud than Lacan, uh, this one, the one from Kazushige Shingo. He tells of the story of Sada, which is apparently a famous personality in uh, in Japan. It's a prostitute who murdered her lover with erotic asphyxiation before cutting off his penis and carrying them around with her. But so the fact... What was he saying about that? Like, mm, let me get his text because I found the story super weird and I was like, what the fuck are they on about? So maybe you can tell me what the fuck they were on about. So a prostitute kill people by asphyxiating them erotically? No, only one. She cut a penis. Oh. Okay. Just one. Th Just the one. But after death, that's the point. That's the point that the psychoanalyst says, like, it's very important. If it were just castration, she would have done so while he was still alive. To cut it off after death means that for Sada, what is important is the play of the penis on the off on-off phenomenon of the organ, phi and minus phi. Incidentally, the film was based on the true story, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that the real-life Sada was carrying the phi, the phallus, with her at the time of her arrest. So... 
<laughs> okay, so it would be about castration if the guy was alive, like actual castration, but because it's after death, then it's a concept, and then so it's like, but like it's still castration, it's still castration of the phallic object. I don't know, do you understand why it's so important that she, that the guy was dead before she cut his penis? I don't understand it. <laughs> I just want, I just noted, like, ask Vlad about this. <laughs> I, I think, no, but like, I think there is a difference. Sada didn't want to castrate someone she wanted to have the object for herself which is so freudian <laughs> well yeah I, I think it's very freudian like the important part of it for her was to have the phallus not to castrate someone it's cool so like she steal it basically no yeah i would understand it that way yeah so it's more about her personal growth than her castrating someone in a way she was nice <laughs> She didn't want to castrate the man. She just wanted the feathers. And like the easiest way is like asphyxiation and like... She did kill him though. Maybe she could have taken it off a corpse. But this is a, fr a special one, right? It's her lovers. Well, she wanted a fresh one. <laughs> a fresh phallus. I don't know. Maybe she wanted an engorged one. <laughs> Doesn't it like degorge as soon as you cut it? I mean... I don't know. If you put something to block... Yeah. I mean... I'm not, I I'm not an expert in cutting off phalluses. Phalli. And God Falai. This is this was a weird paper. Maybe that's why, like, I read it from Google Web Cache and like I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> Today's episode sponsor is Temptation. Temptation is an irresistible desire to do something or get involved in something which you know isn't really a very good idea. You should try it. By the way, I have a recurring nightmare that I've been meaning to talk about on the show and it it's uh, it connects a little bit with this episode because it's a little bit about psychoanalysis and a little bit about Japan. Okay, so lie down and talk about it. With a a caveat that recently I've been better. So it's even better like I'm not disclosing too much information. I ha haven't had that nightmare in a while. And so this nightmare and I guess maybe I haven't had it in a while because of the pandemic, but it's about me traveling to Japan. So I travel to Japan and I do various things uh, in dream format, right? So abbreviated, the time, time frame is all over the place. But the important part and the scary part comes at the end. It always ends on the last day of, of the trip. Okay, are you dreaming about the, the trip? Or because like you're saying, I do different stuff. Is that... Yeah, yeah it's the dream. In the dream, I... Okay, I is it always the same stuff that you're doing? No. Okay, that's why you say it's not important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The The... the Common part is the part at the end because it comes to the end of the of the trip and I realize with horror that I haven't been to the arcade to play my favorite rhythm game. Ooh. And that's okay. the nightmare. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh is, shit, is I didn't take advantage of the trip to go play my favorite rhythm game. Is that a real game? Yes, yes, yes. It's the real game. It's the game I like a lot. Chinism. The rare people who know game arcades in Japan. Interesting. It's not very hard to, to, to describe what it means, right? It's some sort of FOMO. <laughs> 
it does uh, that's why I was asking about what was happening before I think maybe there's some stuff that in the dream before that is important that meaning that is not just not just for me oh I'm going to Japan well actually so it's not just related to Japan because recently it has taken another form and because of the evolution of my life I guess I go to Japan less often <laughs> uh, but recently I've been dreaming that I'm in an Airbnb and it's the last day and haven't packed my stuff for instance oh you make a connection well i haven't taken advantage of the time to do what i uh, what i really well needed <laughs> wanted to do kind of like running out of time essentially yeah but like that's two different things though one is you something that you really wanted to do and the other thing is something that you needed to do which is two different things. Yeah, I know it's two different things, but it's two things I was supposed to do, kind of. <laughs> I, I have the story about, like, your last dream, which is kind of personal. I don't, I'm not sure, like, it's... Like, the problem with dream is, I think, like, it's always super personal. So, like, that's why, like, it's like when my sister talk about her dream in public, I'm like, really? And, like, it's the same thing with you. Like, I'm glad we're talking about it. I'm, I'm always a bit... Like I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't reveal my dream journal, but here I think the in the, the natural interpretation is kind of clear, and the dream is fun. So, <laughs> okay. And then maybe it has underlying deeper stuff that we can talk about off air. But <laughs> the thing about leaving a Airbnb, so it's the end of a of a, of a journey in both cases. But one is about enjoying yourself, and one is about doing something. I think. More than that, and I might shock you <laughs> in, in this, but I think the imperative to enjoy myself at the arcade is on the same interiorization level of imperative than the imperative to clean up after myself. That's true. And I actually think uh, the dream decreased when I went to Japan enough time and I played enough time this rhythm game. Because the, the importance of the rhythm game comes from the scarcity, right? Because it's only exists in Japan, in arcade, in physical medium. And once mm -hmm. I played it enough, I, I calmed down. I, it's just a game. I don't need to play it every time I go. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> like, the actual, like, when you play the arcade game, the dream the dream is not recurring yeah that's that's so fun well when i played it enough to have it uh, associated to have it less associated with scarcity i guess that's the first de definition of dream of fruit like it just like dream is just a desire yeah see that's why i'm i don't mind uh speaking about this specific example because it's very textbook yeah it's very textbook i don't i've always been a bit I don't know. Uh, uh, interpretation of dream are a bit weird, no? Like yeah, yeah. first, like think thinking that dreams have any sense can be argued. Like you could just say, like it's all bullshit, which uh, some people. Uh, I mean, it's come back to what we were saying, right? We we kind of feel like it's it's connected in some way to what's going on in your unconscious, but the way we can't really be sure of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but for recurring dreams and with such a, a, a clear motive, I always think that there's something else. You know what I mean? Like I it can't be just about the arcade game. Like there might be, but that's not, <laughs> that's not something. Yeah. No, because like it would mean that like the arcade game is so important for you always, which like doesn't make sense. And knowing you, like I don't think it has that much of a place in your brain, no? I mean, no, obviously it's just a stand-in, but I am afraid of having missed something. 
I'm a bit control. I'm a bit of a control freak. One of my biggest fears is like, oh, oops, I was supposed to do that and I haven't done it. Would you say that uh, COVID helps you with that? No, I think growing old is <laughs> just. I mean, the most stuff I did, the less I still have to do, I guess. So I know we usually do like comments, then our life, and that's it. But here we're going back to comments for one last time because uh, Eyaris also asked me, how do you say see you not tomorrow in Japanese? Ooh. <laughs> Which is uh, uh, very topical, right? <laughs> and uh, I mean, I'm not a 100% expert in Japanese, so take that with a grain of salt. See you tomorrow would be Mata Ashta. Mata Ashta. Ashta being tomorrow. And so, see you not tomorrow. It's a bit hard to translate, as you would imagine. <laughs> Say like, Mata demo Ashta Janakute. What? Not having a no makes things very hard. Yeah. So, Janai is the grammatical particle that allows for negation. <laughs> that allows for negation. Well, that. And the demo is the actual negation. Demo is but. So, but, but things that allows negation, and then what? Tomorrow. Demo, ashta, janakute. Janai. Et pourquoi janakute and not janai? It's two different forms depending on like the case, whether your <laughs> sentence is over or not. <laughs> I mean, ashta janai is very declarative, ashta janakute is more like the adverb. I don't know which of these is right, to be honest, because nobody ever says, see you not tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, 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 but you can see how weird the language it is when it's that hard to say that. Well, I don't know, it's a hard sentence. See you not tomorrow? I don't know, in French it's it, like... It's, I'm not even sure it's exp it's very correct to begin with. But like it doesn't, it's not correct in any sense, like in yeah. any language. It's not something that you say. Ah, pas demain. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like even... But it's not complicated to construct, that's what I mean. It's, it's only complicated to construct because I try to make it as, uh, as correct as possible. <laughs> I'm sure Japanese people would tell you right off the bat what they would say. And you send us requests and questions and follow-ups on all the social media. And we'll see you <laughs> uh, for a new topic. Mm -hmm.